Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And we are coming to you live on the W2M Network, pre-recorded, but live to you. As you're listening, welcome to the kickoff. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me as per usual, my co-host, Stephen Err. What's up, everybody? Glad to be back here on the kickoff. And Brandon Biscoping. Week one of the NFL season, finally almost upon us. Let's do this. Yes. But before we get into week one of the NFL season, we have some week one of college ball to talk about as well. Yes. It's time. It's time to hit our first official segment here on the kickoff. It's time for the very first edition of Studs and Duds. All right, Brandon, I'm going to let you go first here. Who was your stud for week one of the football season? My stud for week one of the college football season was Taquan Marshall from Georgia Tech. Had a great game. Um, He's a quarterback, but got 249 rushing yards. And against that Tennessee defense ranked team, very good game for him. And they brought it down to the wire. They almost got the upset. Yeah, the second ever game in Atlanta's new stadium down there after the Alabama-Florida State opener. That's quite the pair to open up the season down there. How about you, Stephen? Who's your stud for week one? My stud for week one was Oklahoma quarterback Baker Mayfield. He didn't even play the second half. He went 19 of 20. That is 95% completion percentage. 356 yards and three touchdowns. That was just the first half, ladies and gentlemen. He didn't play the second half. If he had played the second half, I could have easily seen him go over 500 yards passing and maybe six or seven touchdowns. Amazing performance. Okay. Okay. To be fair, they were playing on cu- they were dining on Cupcake U. <laughs> we'll see what Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma have in store this weekend when they play Ohio State. Yes. It's yeah. A that, big that's one. why I. That's why I stuck to a team that was actually playing someone uh, good. Uh, speaking of a team that was playing someone good, my stud is actually going to be Josh Rosen from UCLA. 41 to 10. And 44 to 17 at one point. One of the biggest comebacks in college football history, and it all happens within the end of the third and the entirety of the fourth quarter as UCLA comes back to defeat Texas A&M. I think you may be looking at Josh Rosen as a potential Heisman Trophy winner at the end of the year. And when you look back, this is going to be his defining moment, bringing his team back from the second largest deficit in college football history. And that's a big win for UCLA. They really, I mean, I don't know if that fully puts them in the picture for the Pac-12, but it gives them a lot of confidence going into the year. Not to mention with UCLA as well, it allows them to enter into the W2M top 25 ratings this week as well. As they replace another team from Texas we'll talk about here in just a little bit. We promise we have a couple of things to say. (laughs) All right, let's go to the opposite side of it. Brandon, who's your dud for week one? Well, my dud, we're... We were going to talk college football, but after the news that came out yesterday, I had to put this as my dud for the upcoming week uh, is is uh, both uh, Ezekiel Elliott and the New York Giants. Uh, he loses his uh, he loses his uh, appeal for the suspension, still six games, but because of a technicality, because of the decision 
coming a little too late. He's still going to be able to play this week against the Giants, which definitely helps the Cowboys because the Giants are one of their tougher opponents moving forward. Definitely tougher uh, to have him against or lose, not have him against the Giants. Worse to not have him against the Giants than now not having him against the Redskins, who are a much weaker team. So, while he is a dud for losing uh, his suspension and still having to be out for six games, the Giants definitely get hurt by him still being able to play this week. I feel like that's kind of a homer pick. No, homer. not at all. Homer! No. <laughs> like last week, you know, Harry's coughing. Homer! Homer! Oh, sorry. <laughs> Steven, how about you? Who's your dud for the week? My dud for the week is Tom Herman of Texas. Actually, I want to talk a little, get, <laughs> get a little bit, get started early with the Texas talk. Uh, Tom Herman, big expectations going to Austin after we did at Houston, and he gives up the most points in a coaching debut in Texas history, 51 to the second worst team, mind you, in the Big Ten in Maryland. So that's that's not a good look to start off the season. Maybe hopefully him and the team can get it together, but we'll get to that a little later. Get it together, you say? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, I feel like we may be going somewhere with that. <laughs> we might be. Uh, okay, my dud is a complete and total Homer pick, and I'm not going to lie about it. Homer! <clears throat> my dud is Felipe <laughs> Franks. Florida scored 17 points against the University of Michigan, TTUN as they're known in Ohio, that team up north. Felipe Franks was responsible for three of them. The other two were pick sixes by the defense. Our offense had absolutely nothing going for it the entirety of the game. Now, I will admit, running back Jordan Scarlett, wide receiver Antonio Callaway, both out of the game. His top receiver, his top rusher are both out of the game. But if you're going to make your debut at a university as prestigious as the University of Florida is, as their starting quarterback, when we have... Luke Del Rio and Malik Zaire on the roster as well. You need to be better than what Felipe Franks was against the University of Michigan. That's crazy that Malik Zaire wasn't starting this game, especially considering what he did in Notre Dame. Uh, the reason Zaire wasn't the starter for this game is because he didn't finish classes at Notre Dame until August 6th, and the game was September 1st. He had less than a month inside of the Florida system. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Once Sayer gets more and more time under him, underneath his belt uh, with the Florida offense, I have no doubt, especially after Franks' performance against Michigan, that Malik Zaire will probably be our starting quarterback going forward. I want to know why Luke Del Rio didn't play, too. Might, must have thought they didn't need him. Um, can I also offer up a extra dud award to the kicker for Pittsburgh, who almost cost them a game against Florida Championship Subdivision, Youngstown State? Bravo, buddy. Bravo. Still the worst kicker performance ever in college football has to be in the, I think it was, what, the Sugar Bowl between, uh, or no, not the Sugar Bowl. I forget what bowl it was, but it was back in uh, 2011, either 2011 or 2012, where the kicker missed three times in a row between Stanford and Oklahoma State. Now, I get that kicker's not exactly an easy position because you're standing on the sidelines until you're needed. But at the same time, it's Youngstown State, man. Come on. <laughs> well, and I, say uh... this, I say this as somebody who lives in Youngstown and is very familiar with the FCS runner-up Penguins. But both of the field goals he missed were inside of 40 yards. I'm just saying. <laughs> Well, since Eric's not yeah, here, he, I do have I do have another stud that I want to get to. K, I believe I forget his name. I believe it's K, like Kalen Newton, Cam Newton's younger brother, plays quarterback for Howard University. Props to him. Props to Howard. Forty-six point underdogs against UNLV, and they pull off the biggest upset in college history this weekend. Props to him and props to Howard. There's my another stud. Well, it's funny that you mentioned upsets because that takes us into so. That happened, <laughs> which is kind of our new segment here on the kickoff. And one of the things that I wanted to discuss is the amount of upsets that we saw week one in college football. Four different 
favorite teams, including two of them ranked, go down to defeat. We'll talk more about Texas a little bit later. You just mentioned Howard beating UNLV. What's up with Baylor and things in Waco, Texas these days? Losing to FCS Liberty. Well, Baylor has had their problems over the last couple of years off the field. And uh, those situations. What? The Art Bryles situation. Yes, exactly. Um, so those off-the-field issues may finally be rearing their ugly head on the field. And that may have been what we saw in that game. I'm with Brandon on that one. I believe that the whole Art Bryles situation, everything everything just all messed up at Baylor University in general. Forget the football team. The university is in a state of just demise right now, and that's affecting the football team, I feel. And that's why, even against FCS Liberty... Baylor's losing. And it's crazy. A program both on both the football and basketball side were, that were one of the, I won't say the top uh, of their of the country, but one of the better programs in the country has had a huge fall over the past couple of years. Well, you could make the argument that when Texas was going through their downtime, that Baylor was the second best team in the Big 12 behind Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, definitely. And obviously everything goes down with Art Bryles. Bryles finds himself relieved of his position there. And then it's just taking a turn for worse down in Waco. You mentioned Howard beating UNLV. Um, Do you think that this is something we're going to see more of this year? We're going to see more of these FCS schools stepping up and pulling off shockers? As a Florida fan, I've had this happen to me before where we underestimated a Georgia Southern team that was the defending FCS runner-ups. And they came into the swamp a couple of years ago, I believe it was 2012, and handed us our backsides 26-16. I remember that game. <laughs> I, I mean, like while, while, Go ahead, I, while I don't think it will become a regular occurrence or anything like that, I do think that we've seen you know over the last 10, 15 years that – the parity in college football is much greater than people try to make it out to be. And that's why I always say that if we saw a legitimate playoff in college football, we would see some upsets. My big upset prediction for the week did not pan out. I had Power 5 school Boston College going down to Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois took them late into the fourth quarter, but ended up falling 23-20. to 20. Uh, So Boston. close. We get so far. Boston, <laughs> we'll College, talk. Boston College is one of those programs that, you know, they've been, you know, they haven't been as good as they should be, but they're still always decent, at least. So we move on to other discussions, and so that happened with NFL cuts. The NFL has gotten rid of the dwindling slowly of the rosters, now making massive cuts going from the end of the preseason to the start of the regular season to get down to the 53-man roster. I want to ask you guys, who do you feel was the biggest surprise when it comes to cuts by the various teams? To me, I don't think there's any question for me. Chicago needs weapons, and they got rid of Victor Cruz, who I still feel has a lot to give to that program. I would have had a lot to give to that team. Yeah, I would definitely have to agree with that. I mean, Victor Cruz, I remember him as a Giants fan. I remember him back in the day as a Giant uh, being dominant. And I still think, I mean, yeah, he's getting up there in age, but you definitely think that he would be someone that can give a little boost to that receiving core. I mean, but it is the Bears, so... What do you expect? I think uh, Victor Cruz will get picked up by someone at some point. Maybe not right away, but when there's you know a wide receiver gets injured somewhere down the line, he will get another job. We'll be talking about injuries next, so keep that thought in mind, Brandon. Stephen, your thoughts on who you think was the biggest cut in the offseason? Well, I want to go back to what you guys said. Victor Cruz, is he still has the talent. He still can do good stuff with the team. The fact that the Bears cut him, well, that's because of the Bears. They're going to make dumb decisions like that. But I find that ridiculous. Well, that's not my biggest surprise. My biggest surprise is the Giants. And Brandon, you know what I'm talking about. They cut, what's his name, Travis Rudolph. They yeah. cut their rookie receiver out of Florida State. I was so, my friend's the Giants favorite. I was up visiting him last weekend. We were both like, what? How could they cut Travis Rudolph? He had 
did so well in the preseason, and then they just like, okay, bye. Like, that was it. Um, yeah, that was it. He has that, that had been signed by the Packers to the practice squad. But the fact that the Giants got rid of him is it makes sense. I know why they did, but it's just still a shock to me. Yeah, I mean it was it was definitely a shock. Um, but like you said, there there is definitely a reason why. I mean, they look look at all the wide receivers that they have right now. Right, they didn't really need another guy taking up like not so much taking up passes, but um, you know they they'd rather cut him and and bring someone else in in a position that. They need more strength in rather than keeping him on the hope that he becomes a big name down the line. I wanted to ask you guys about that as far as the uh, Travis Rudolph thing there. Do you think that has anything to do with the fact that they still have really high expectations for Sterling Shepard in New York? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you have you have Odell Beckham Jr. and Brandon Marshall as your main two wide receivers. But Sterling Shepard can definitely be a guy that can step into that slot role uh, and put up some numbers. And I think that was the big issue was that they didn't really have a place for uh, for him to play. So as a result, you know, they cut him in, in hopes of using that spot more effectively. Yeah, if they, had, um, they didn't be- if they didn't believe in Sterling Shepard, they would have kept Travis Rudolph and got rid of Sterling Shepard. Shepard would have been in the pack- Packers practice squad. All right, so that takes me to my next talking point, and so that happened. And this one's going to cover more of the entirety of the NFL preseason, and that is the sheer amount of knee injuries that we saw in this preseason. Guys, they've been talking about it for years. Do you think we need to see the preseason shrunken? Steven, you start uh, this one. I, I would say yes, just because of the fact that, like you said, all these knee injuries are happening, and they're happening to the big guys, too. They're not happening to a bunch of practice squad guys. They're happening to the big guys. Uh, Julian Edelman for the New England Patriots, torn ACL. His season's already over. Brian Tannehill, even though I believe that was my contact, and it wasn't during preseason. But the, you get the point. The fact that there's people like Julian Edelman going down for the year, of the Bears lost to go receiver, I remember his name right now, he tore his ACL against Tennessee. He's out for the season. There, the preseason is like I get you want to see what guys can do against other defenses, but you can all you need really need is one or two games. You don't need four games to prove a point. I think that's way too much. They definitely need to cut it down to at least two. I want to see a two game preseason and then a eighteen game regular season or twenty game, whatever. Yeah, it would be eighteen. Right. I don't think that we need an 18-game regular season, but I do feel like possibly getting rid of at least one or two of the preseason games would be in everybody's best interest. Because I think you could accomplish the same thing in same-team scrimmages that you do in some of these preseason games by giving the coaches a chance to scout talent. Uh, Brandon, your thoughts on the whole knee injury epidemic that plagued the NFL this preseason? While I agree with what you're saying, Harry, about you know you can get it to an extent in, in scrimmages and whatnot – the the thing is is that you don't get the same sort of you're not going to be able to prepare a rookie or a new guy in your system for the pressures of not only just playing against another team and being unfamiliar with the defense or the offense or whatever but also the crowd and all of that you just can't prepare for a game situation like that i mean while it it's a bad thing and it's a it's a risk of event of football that it is such a big contact sport so injuries happen you do need at least a few uh at least a few preseason games not only to get your rookies ready and get your rookies uh, situated to the NFL style and to all the things that change between college and, and the NFL, but also your new signees, your free agent signees, the your trades, the guys that need to readjust to your system. And like I said, I don't think you can get that uh, in in just practice. So... While ideally you'd like to see uh, them, ideally for injuries you'd want them to cut back for 
the overall play. And plus, not to mention, think about it, and I don't know if they've done, done a study yet on this or not because it's been a couple of years since they've done this, but ever since the two days went away and guys are getting less reps and and aren't working out their bodies as much, I feel like injuries are going up as a result of that. You need those reps. You need to get your body ready for the the grind of the season in order to avoid injuries. And if you did cut back the preseason games, I think you would see more injuries than happening in the beginning of the regular season, which would make things even worse because you're losing those guys in a game that matters and you have to adjust on the fly very quickly. So maybe cut back to maybe cut one game, maybe only do three. Um, I'm not even going into the fact that that would never, like, they would never reduce games just because of the money situation. They'd want to make, they want to get as much money as possible. But, you know, uh, even when it comes to the players, I think you need those games in order to make sure that players are ready for the season, both physically and mentally. That was something that I was actually going to touch on as well, Brandon, that you just mentioned there. I think the reason that we're not going away from four preseason games is because that's one less home game that each team gets to be able to sell to their season ticket package or to have the ability to sell to to fans on a single game individual basis in order to come and see their team play. Exactly. All right, those were the three big things that I wanted to discuss with uh, So That Happened. Do you guys have any news of your own that you'd like to bring up here? I have two. Uh, one, the first one is not big news, but it's kind of like interesting. Mike Glennon will be the Bears' starting quarterback week one against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, either way, like I was never a fan of Mitchell Trubisky. I'm still not because I feel like he was overhyped, just like Sam Darnold. And Mike Glennon, he last time he was a starting quarterback, he won two games for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before they draft James Winston. So either way, I don't know what you guys feel about this. I feel like it's interesting that they didn't start Trubisky because we don't know what he could do in the NFL. We know he'd do it in North Carolina, and that was pretty good, but I don't feel he'll do it in the NFL, but we don't know. Mike Glennon, we know what he's done, and it's nothing. He's done nothing. The fact well, that they're I starting think, him is a little interesting. Just a little bit. I think, I, actually, I think what they're doing there is that they're trying to phase in their rookie quarterback, which most teams should start doing. They understand that this is more of a rebuilding year. So they're they're taking their time with their rookie instead of just throwing him right into the fire right away. Um, I'm going to have a little bit more to say about this whole situation a little bit later, so just stay tuned to Are You Serious? <laughs> and then the second thing I had was Dolphins-Bucks will move to Week 11, November yep. 19th at Hard Rock Stadium. This means that these two teams are going to play 16 consecutive games. That is so that is just absolutely unfair for both teams. Like that, like that is 16 consecutive weeks away from family, 16 consecutive weeks of putting your body out there like that. Like that, I that just is the most ridiculous thing I've heard. I can't believe it. Like that, I'm, they should just move the game instead of postponing it to the both and both teams have bye week. Well, I think I they, mean, I, I think they waited too long. I think they waited too long to make the decision as to where the game was going to go, and by the time that they finally made the decision, it was too late, and they had to go ahead and end up putting the game into Week 11 where both teams had the bye. Well, I think that's part. I, I think part of it was that, that they took too long to decide on it. I mean, it didn't help that the track... I mean, they were pretty sure that it was going to hit Florida, but they weren't 100% sure when, so the the tracking didn't exactly help their case, but... Like we were talking about with the preseason games, I think the bigger issue here is the fact that that Miami does not want to lose a home game. I mean, theoretically, it's a home game for all Florida fans, though, because it's two of the NFL's three Florida teams going against well, each no, other. But, well, but that's what I'm saying. It's not like... It, it's not like a situation where... You know, um, oh, they could have moved it to the other other team stadium, like like they did with New Orleans back in two thousand five. So I don't think either team wanted to lose any chance of their fans being disappointed. 
by having to move it out of state into a completely neutral and completely foreign area to them. This is really tough for Miami. This is more tough for Miami than it is Tampa Bay because Miami, not only do they have to play 16 consecutive games, they play the Saints in London, they have to travel to London, travel back, and they have, according to NFL power rankings and all that, they have the sixth toughest schedule in the league. Just unfair for Miami more than just Tampa. But still unfair for both sides. Unfortunately, it's one of those situations that can't be really worked around because they took so long to make the decision. Yeah. But, I mean, where where would they – let's play devil's advocate. If they, had, if they had decided earlier on, where would they move it? I, from what I saw, it was either – the two main spots would have been Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. Hmm. Because because that makes sense. Let's move a game that was supposed to be in Florida all the way up to Pennsylvania. Well, really? exactly. That's that's what I'm talking about. I mean, the only the only place that's even remotely close. Well, not really remotely, but I mean, the best place to do it. But I guess this would have taken away from the you know regular seasoning season opening for it. Would 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 have been to move it to Atlanta. Yeah, that's the thought that I would have had as well as going to the Falcons' new stadium, but at the same time, they don't want to give away the first game in that stadium not being the Falcons' game. Exactly, and that, I think that was the problem. I think if it were any other year, it would have been moved to either if it was the Georgia Dome last year and previously, or this new stadium if it were like next year or something. All right, so are we ready to move on into our next topic, guys? Yep, let's get to it. All right, it's time for our official debate segment here on the kickoff. We call it Buy or Sell. And there was a very big news story to break out of college football this past Sunday, or excuse me, this past Saturday night, as Alabama once again reasserted their dominance over the entirety of college football, very easily handling a supposedly very good Florida State team 24 to 7. This question does not pertain to Alabama, though, because by the looks of things, Alabama is going to be what Alabama usually is. This question pertains to Florida State. Gentlemen, buy or sell. Brandon, you will go first here. Florida State's chances of even sniffing a New Year's Six Bowl went up in flames as soon as DeAndre Francis went down injured in the fourth quarter. It It's way too early to, to definitively say yes, but... I am going to say it is hanging on by a shoestring. Um, I mean, look at how some of the other teams in the ACC did this week. Clemson had a great win. Uh, Miami did well against their uh, opponent. They, they're going to have an uphill battle. They would have had an uphill battle already. I mean, we were talking about it last week how the ACC is going to be very competitive up top. Um, and th- that blow is just going to hurt them even more. And they're going to need to, they're really going to need to do a lot of work and make sure that they know where they're going from here. If they have any chance of, of having any good luck this year. All right, allow me to correct myself before you speak here, Stephen. DeAndre Francois. <laughs> I mis- mispronounced the last name for the Florida State quarterback that unfortunately went down with a patella injury in the fourth quarter of the game against Alabama. Buy or sell, this is the end of Florida State's chances at a New Year's Six, Stephen. Buy. Miami is winning the ACC, and it just got a little bit easier now that DeAndre Francois is off for the season with a torn patella tendon. First of all, they weren't the top – they weren't the, their best team in the season to – they were not the third best team to begin with. I don't know why they were ranked third. That's pretty, that's, that's pretty high for a team such as Florida State. But, but and I think Harry brought this up last week. Florida State plays a much tougher schedule than Miami. And that also, along with DeAndre Francois being out for the year, if, I, if Francois was still healthy, I would say Florida State just has to beat them in Tallahassee. And that would be a big step forward. But now I can see Miami pulling off the upset in Tallahassee this year. And I am... Buying that Florida State does not make a New York six. 
I'm going to say that Florida State finds themselves on the outside looking in of the New Year's Six. I'm going to say bye as well. I just don't think that they have the manpower in order to be able to pull that off. I don't feel like I, – I know their backup quarterback is somebody that's been with the team for, a, I believe, a year and a half now. But at the same time, it's somebody who has not had any reps. James something, I believe. I, I didn't catch his last name. But he's not somebody who's ever actually had any game experience with Florida State. And as we were talking about last week when we did our college football conference previews, the ACC may be one of the most difficult conferences to win this year. Yeah, when you've got two, I'd say even three top contending teams out beyond Florida State, uh, it's going to be a very tough battle. And Florida State, they just could not afford any sort of problems. And and that's exactly what happened with Francois going down. All right, so my plan for Biden self for the the season is going to be to ask one question that is specifically college related which we just had to ask one question that is specifically NFL related which we will save for the last question here and one question that pertains to both that will be our second question here Stephen you will start for us here by yourself you look forward to week one of college football just as much as you do the NFL you know I have to buy that no I have to sell that because in week one of college football, most teams play FCS teams, and they win by 66 points. In the NFL, you get this, you get an AFC championship preview or Patriots-Chiefs. I'm not saying the Chiefs can make the AFC title. They're not. It's going to be Patriots-Steelers, but we'll get to that later. Uh, yeah, NFL has much more exciting games to kick off the season. The college football season, it's, you know, you play Alabama against Southern Alabama. That's, that's, that's not exciting. It's not what people want to see. To kick off a season, it's not what we want to say. I'm selling that. I am, and being a bigger NFL guy since last week, I'm a bigger NFL guy than I am a college football guy. NFL over college football any day. Yeah, I'm selling that as well. I mean, like, uh, like you said, uh, with the exception of some games, obviously, like the Alabama Florida State game. For the most part, teams are playing either mid-major schools or FCS schools, so those games don't have nearly as much impact as they do at, as, you know, bigger games do, obviously. Um, whereas the NFL, you, you have Super Bowl rematches to kick off the season and stuff like that. So you have, and, and there's much more parity in uh, the NFL than there is in college football. So, yeah, NFL, I mean, I'll admit to my own bias that I'm a much bigger NFL fan than I am a college fan. Uh, I'm not really a college fan at all. So, uh, you know, NFL, hands down, week one, you're anticipating. College football, it kind of, unless you're... Unless you're really following college football or you're in college or whatnot, it kind of sneaks up on you. Whereas NFL, you know, you know, first week or second week of September, it's on. I'm going to buy this just because I am such a big college football fan. I feel like... I feel like I end up watching a lot more college football during the season than I do NFL, but I think a lot of that might have to do with the fact that there's so much more college football available to be watched than there yeah, is NFL. Yeah, exactly. That's definitely because of that, because think about it. You're only getting, at most, seven, eight, seven or eight games in a week that you can watch on TV in the NFL, whereas you're getting you know, five, six games at once on TV in any given area for college. Yeah, that's the one. If I had to pick college football or NFL because of one thing, one thing only, there's much more college football played. I mean, you got ESPN has a game, ABC has a game, Fox has a game, NBC has a game, ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPN U, they all have games. Unless the NFL is mention all the local channels. Yeah, exactly, local channels too. Fox has... One NFL game, CBS, CBS is one NFL game. That's it. NFL Africa doesn't show a game on Sundays. And NBC's game is not until 8.30 at night. So it's three games, possibly four, depending on well, what week four. it is for the NFL. It would be four on any given Sunday because you get one on Fox, one on CBS, and then a late game. That's three. 
No, Plus no, Sunday night football game. Yeah. He's referring to, to there are usually one game at one o'clock and two at four, or one game or two yeah, games at one o'clock. Sometimes and one CBS at four. has a. That's what I'm saying. Sometimes, not all the time, CBS has a doubleheader, and sometimes Fox has a doubleheader. But sometimes yeah. both of them just play one game, and you get three games for the whole Sunday. Well, that's only if you're in an area that um, your local team is blacked out. Yeah. Yeah, because I always like, hear. Here I always get three games, two two out. Well, either two at one o'clock, and well, I almost never get two one at one o'clock and two at four o'clock. I almost always get two at one o'clock, one at four, and then the night game. Oh, yeah, tra- the main tradition. Just real quick, traditionally the four fifteen four twenty five is considered the national broadcast game for the early time slot, but there's usually at least. Four games on television, two on Fox, one on CBS, or two on CBS, one on Fox, in addition to the NBC Sunday night game. Yeah. All right, well, the main point of this topic is if there, if I were to pick one uh, college football NFL just because I could watch ten games at once for the, for the college football, I had to watch two at once for the NFL. But other than that, NFL all the way. <laughs> All right, so that, that takes us into our last question for buy and sell. And originally, I had written down my last question as the roster cuts, but we decided to cover that, and so that happened. So I'm going to mix it up slightly here. And my last question for this is going to be this. Buy or sell, the Super Bowl champion sh- should start on the Thursday night to open the season. Oh, buy, absolutely. Because, I mean, you would think that that team, uh, it, you know, that's the team that everyone's looking at uh, to start out the season, so they're the ones that should start. Steven? Yeah, I'm buying that. I mean, and not only that, you have to, as civil champions, you should open at home. It's only happened twice that the, op- that the defending champion opened on the road, the Bucks in 2002, and the Ravens in 2013 open on the road. But, you, but yes, definitely the defending champ should open the season at home, mind you, their their first chance at celebrating their title with their fans. It's 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 like it makes them, makes so much sense to do that. I'm yeah. going to have I'm going to have a bold assessment of this one. I'm going to sell this and say that they should open on Monday Night Football. No, no. Give ESPN the marquee game for Monday Night Football with. Uh, with having the defending Super Bowl champions because ESPN has a double header and they're fighting against primetime airings throughout the season as well because sometimes the networks end up bringing their shows back earlier than anticipated and it ends up putting new new broadcasts on network television against ESPN's Monday Night Football games. I feel like having the defending Super Bowl champions opening on Monday Night Football in addition to adding more prestige to the double header would give more people reason to want to watch said double header as well. Uh, they won't do that because you have less of a chance of watching it on ESPN than you do on the networks. Yeah. For that while reason. most as soon has. as as soon as they decided to put Money Life Football on ESPN instead of ABC, that's why ESPN started getting the raw deal with a bunch of things. That is our executive producer for the evening, Sean Garmer. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to point that out that I like your idea, Harry, but it's not happening because there's a reason why ESPN only gets one wild card game. There's a reason why, you know, yeah, they let them have that money night football doubleheader and all that stuff, but that's once once a week, you know, and they won't they won't have them be the debut because they're going to give NBC that credit because Sunday night football is their the flagship thing for the NFL, really. Right. Or they'll give it to whoever has the Super Bowl or something like that that year. But it will never be ESPN because that's part of the deal as well for moving to ESPN is that ESPN never gets the Super Bowl anymore. Well, that, that, see, now that's, see, now that's something that I find very curious. Do you think that the uh, opening Monday, uh, the opening Thursday night game is something that should rotate between networks? I mean, they could do that, but I think that those networks will gladly sacrifice one Thursday night game for having the Super Bowl rotate. So they'll gladly let NBC have an extra game that week to, you know, to to allow it to be where CBS or Fox can also have the Super Bowl or whatever. I mean, should it rotate between networks? 
Yeah, but does it really matter? I mean, the only thing you're getting different is different announcers and being on a different station. All right, Sean, thanks for joining the conversation, sir. No problem. All right. Guys, it's time to get it together. I feel like we need sound bites for our segments. <laughs> I no. wonder if we can talk. I wonder if we can talk to Mr. Producer Man about making that happen, possibly for the next broadcast. I'll message you once we get off the air, Sean. All right, moving on. Back to the segment at hand here. Uh, Steve, I'm going to let you take the floor with this since you kind of teased it earlier. Yeah, my uh, my big, big get-it-together here is the Carolina Panthers. Now, they fell off the rocket last year. I don't know what happened. Uh, Cam Newton got injured. He just had a really bad off year. I don't feel like there was an excuse for it. He had a Devin Funches. He had Calvin Benjamin. And this year he has a great running game with Christian McCaffrey leading the way. There, I, and that defense is pretty – how can I forget tight end Greg Olson, one of the top tight ends in the league, plus a good defense led by Thomas Davis Jr. I, I have him in – There's, there's I was not – Go ahead. I was just going to say I have Greg Olson in two of my fantasy football leagues. I'm hoping he does big things. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's no excuse for Carolina not to do well this year. If they don't win nine games, it's a disappointing season for Carolina. Well, we talked about how difficult that AFC, that NFC South could be this year as well, though, because we were all saying uh, between Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans, and Tampa Bay, there are three or four. All three or four of those teams could end up within that eight to ten win ratio, depending on what breaks go what ways for each of those teams. Can can Drew Brees continue to define the, the, the laws of time much the same way that Tom Brady has up in New England? Can Atlanta defy the Super Bowl curse? Can Carolina get their stuff together and not win six games like they've done the last two seasons? Can Tampa Bay prove that last year wasn't a fluke? Yeah, I think the, Brandon, NFC, the NFC South definitely has the uh, most questions this year. I don't think the NFC South is the best division in football. I think no. the best division in football is the AFC West. Mm. Because as sketchy as San Diego could be, the other three teams, in my opinion, are all going to win at least eight games. Los Angeles, not San Diego. <laughs> They're still San Diego to me. Yes, they <laughs> okay. will always be San Diego to me. <laughs> Brandon, how about you? Who are you telling to get it together? Uh, we talked about it earlier, but Texas, I mean, Maryland, seriously, Maryland? <laughs> how do you lose to Maryland, the team with the funky helmets? <laughs> Their mascot is a turtle. <laughs> yes, exactly. You basically lost to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Not only that, but they lost to the second worst team in the big... 10 behind in front of Rutgers. I mean, that's yeah. not good. That's not just not good. Well, I would probably put Maryland ahead of Illinois, but third well, worst. Yeah, he said the second worst behind Rutgers. I would put Maryland ahead of Illinois, so third worst. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe Purdue as well, because Purdue... Yeah, is... I, thought of, I thought of Purdue, but then I realized Maryland finishes like two conference wins every year, so... <clears throat> I'm going to tell Texas A&M to get it together. How do you blow a 44 to 10 lead? In what universe does that happen? I talked about it earlier. It is the second biggest comeback in college football history. The only team to come back from a larger deficit was Michigan State against Northwestern in 2008. I believe I saw when I Google searched this. 2006. They were down. They were down Buffalo Houston style to Northwestern, 38-3, and came back 30. to defeat them 41-38. They did. How? Crazy things happen in college football. I mean, you should expect these type of things, like crazy upsets, like Appalachian State over Michigan in 2007. Nobody saw that coming. The, and um. Uh, the simple yeah. answer is this is the simplest thing ever. It's Texas A and M. Besides uh, Johnny Manziel, who was a bust in the NFL, uh, Texas A and M has done absolutely nothing, and I don't know why they are in the SEC. 
Uh, they're in the SEC because the SEC needed teams. Well, yeah. <laughs> no other let's reason. call it what it is. <laughs> let's, let's call it what it is. It's the same reason Missouri's in the SEC. Yeah. As far as the other thing, too, is what are your guys' thoughts on the fact that at least one member of the Board of Regents at Texas A&M is already calling for Kevin Sumlin's job? I mean, that just shows how big of a how big of a disaster that was. I mean, when you lose in the second biggest comeback in history, yeah, that's what you're going to get. I mean, yeah, you can certainly turn it around. I don't know uh, who they play next, but, you know, if if they start turning it around, then maybe those calls start diminishing a little bit. But... Yeah, they, they they play against Nichols and then uh, Louisiana Lafayette before they face Arkansas. So if they can get those two wins easily, followed by a win against Arkansas, then maybe Kevin Sumlin uh, doesn't have his uh, head on the chopping block anymore. Yeah, I don't think he has, should have his head on the chopping block. It was one game where they dominated for three quarters, oh, just about all three quarters, first of of all the first three quarters of the game. I don't think he's, he should be calling for his job. Like Brandon just said, they play a bunch of nobodies the next couple of weeks. And then they play some Arkansas team, who their best quarterback the last couple of years has been Brandon Allen. And he's done nothing in the NFL. So I don't think Texas A&M has anything to worry about, except for maybe some, some other teams in the SEC that are not Arkansas. I, I feel like our executive producer is about to yell at you as an Arkansas fan. <laughs> I forgot John's I'm, an Arkansas fan. I'm, I'm half waiting. I'm half waiting for Sean to chime in. Like Arkansas, how dare you belittle the good name of Arkansas? <laughs> like I'm waiting for it to happen because I feel like it's going to happen at any second now. But uh, all he, right, he just said Brandon Allen is a rookie. What is he expecting? Yeah, he's a rookie. Yeah. To take that from the Arkansas game. Sorry. I thought he had been in the NFL for a couple of years, but I guess not. Anyway. Uh, Steven. Steven. What's up, Harry? All aboard the lane train. <laughs> yes. So if you, uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll, this is my thing. This is going to be my thing for the remainder of the year. If you listen to the the episode, the first episode of the kickoff last week, in which I said people should look out for Florida Atlantic University because their head coach was Lane Kiffin, who's did well at USC, who coached Alabama to a national title, well, on the offense at least. Well, yeah, got them to the title game. He didn't actually coach the title game, but that's wasn't neither. He with, wasn't he with them 2016 when they beat Clemson? Left the team before the game. Oh wow! Anyway, Lane Kiffin's a good coach. I'm still sticking with FAU, and they lost to a 35-13 or something. They they got blown up by Navy. That's the point. They lost 42 to 19 to Navy. Yeah, they got blown up by Navy, but hey, if you just still right for Florida Florida Atlantic, and this week they have the bigger, t- uh, tougher opponent. They traveled to, to Madison to play Wisconsin, and I'm here to tell you, I wouldn't be surprised if Florida Atlantic pulls off the upset. <laughs> If it weren't for a 100-yard pick six by Wisconsin's defense, that would have been a close game against the team they played, which I believe was an FCS team. So, I mean, Wisconsin kept Wisconsin was a pick a 100-yard pick six away from struggling against an FCS team. Plus, Florida Atlantic has played different teams well over the past couple of years, such as Florida. They went. I remember they went to the swamp a couple of years ago, and they were very close to winning. Or they might have won. I don't remember that. But I can one hundred percent watch out. I can one hundred percent assure you that they have never won in the swamp. They came uh, then they came close. I remember that game. They came very close to winning in the swamp the last time they visited. I'm checking my book to get results for that because I genuinely think the last time they came to the swamp, they got blown out. Unfortunately, it wasn't within the last five years, so I can't give you a definitive answer. Well, there it is. Oh, wait, you're right. They actually took Florida to overtime. Exactly. So watch out for for Florida Atlantic this week in Madison against Wisconsin, the Big Ten runner-up last year. 
Lane Kiffin right, so- bringing this team into Madison, and they're looking for an upset. I wouldn't be surprised if they pull it off. All right, so I actually wrote the bio for Wisconsin for this week's Top 25 over on W2Mnet.com. Oh, boy. Because I'm doing the uh, I'm doing the uh, the Big Ten bios for the Top 25 on a weekly basis over there. And if we get a chance, by all means, we encourage you to check out our, our main site here, W2Mnet.com, for all things football-related. In addition, you can also check out things in the worlds of soccer, wrestling, and entertainment as well. That's www.w2mnet.com. All right, back to what I was going to say, though. Um, I did point out the fact that big things were expected of Wisconsin this year, and then they started out down 10 to nothing at the end of the first quarter to Utah State. And then that is when I think they had a fire lit under their ass and proceeded to outscore Utah State 59 to nothing the rest of the game. I'm telling you right now, Florida Atlantic is not sniffing within five touchdowns of Wisconsin. You're so sure of that, aren't you, Harry? (laughs) 55-10. If Florida Atlantic loses by – if they lose by less than 21 points, Harry owes me a steak dinner. I had a deal with with Eric during our Real Football League podcast show. I would owe him a steak dinner if a team had gone winless the rest of the way. If Florida Atlantic loses by less than 21 points, Harry owes me a steak dinner. Book it. Fine, but if Florida Atlantic loses, is if Florida Atlantic loses by at least four scores, you have to put up an iHeart Lane Kiffin profile picture. <laughs> it's on like ping pong. <laughs> All right, guys. So his love of Florida Atlantic aside, I think that takes us into our final segment of the night. I have a quick question for you. Are you serious? Well, let, let me get let me get my best D- Dick Fide Tal uh, impression on. Are you serious? Unbelievable! <laughs> it's awesome, baby. <laughs> okay, you can now tell that I'm a huge college basketball fan, and we're going to get sued by ESPN. So let's go ahead and get into our predictions. <laughs> Trademark pending, ESPN Corporation. All right, um. I'm going to go first here because I actually kind of teased this one earlier. My NFL upset, Chicago beats Atlanta to start the season. The curse of the Super Bowl continues with the NFC, the runner-up. The Falcons go to Soldier Field this year to start the year. And Mike Glennon gives them a much better chance of defeating Atlanta than Mitch Trubisky does at this point in Mitch's career. I personally think Mitch was a reach at the second overall pick to begin with myself. He has done nothing to prove me wrong because everything that he's done has been against twos and threes, granted, while playing with twos and threes himself. But Mike Glennon actually did have a solid campaign with Tampa Bay despite the fact that he had nothing around him when he was down there. Therefore, I think Chicago pulls off the upset in Soldier Field against the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I don't see that happening at all. I do not (laughs) see that. I do not see that happening at all. A solid performance at Tampa Bay. They won two games the year in 2014 under Mike Lennon. No, 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 no. Atlanta's not. Atlanta's not going to make the playoffs. I don't see that happening. But listen to the Bears, who got rid of Victor Cruz, and have Ruben Randall, who was once the third best receiver on the bad Giants team. And I'll ask you. I'll ask you, Harry. Are you serious? The bear? No, that's that's gone no. a little bit too far in my book. All right, then how about you, Stephen? Why don't you go next here? Who's your NFL upset of the week? All right, well, I looked at the schedule and I was like, wow, there are so much good games. I can't even say who's going to upset who. And I'm, and I'm not going homer here because if the Cowboys do beat the Giants, it's not an upset. It's just a win. My my upset is comes on Monday Night Football. The Vikings defense will shut down AP in his return to Minnesota. Vikings upset the Saints. I don't necessarily think that's an upset. Yeah, I was just going to say, I have that going the... I was going to pick that as my upset the opposite way. That New Orleans well, goes into Minnesota and beats Minnesota. The fact that it matters that a quarterback in Sam Bradford is going to be against a Hall, future Hall of Famer Drew Brees. That's, that's, that's the type of upset I was looking at. That's true. Okay, but let's look at the fact that New Orleans won like five games last year. Seven. Six? Oh, God. <laughs> Fact of the matter is, Adrian Peterson was talking all this trash. Oh, I'm going to rip up that Vikings defense. He's going to rush for less than 100 yards, though. They're not going to let him get past him, past them. Okay, okay, but you're forgetting about the other running back in New Orleans named Mark Ingram. 
It isn't all on AP's shoulders when they go up to Minnesota, though. They have a two-headed monster in Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson in their backfield, and you could make the argument that Drew Brees is the third-best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, this is the first time in Adrian Peterson's career, well, I think maybe one or two years he had a, a secondary guy in Minnesota, but this is the first year in his career that he's fully having a secondary guy to take the power load off of him. We're not talking about Mark Ingram. We're talking about the fact that Adrian Peterson was talking all this trash about going up against his former team and how he was going to run all over them, but he's not going to at all. I don't think he, I don't think he'll run all over him, but I think uh, I think he will have a pretty solid game. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm with uh, I'm with Brandon on this one. I'm picking New Orleans. All right, let's move to college, shall we? Let's. Yes. All right, Brandon, you go first here. Who's your college upset for this week? Oh, this is this is a tough one. Because there aren't really any huge games that are either, you know, huge upset potentials or uh or really gimme upsets. Um hmm. I think I think the closest I'm going to get um is I think I don't even think this is going to be a win per se but I think uh I think Notre Dame at least gives Georgia a run for their money. Well, I actually had Notre Dame ranked in my most recent top 25, so frankly, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Fighting Irish knock off the Bulldogs. And frankly, as a Florida fan, there's nothing I enjoy more than seeing Georgia lose. But like I said last week, I'm thinking Georgia has a good season, so that kind of, I I don't, I, I think, I still think Georgia will be able to win that game, but I think it'll be close. Yeah, we you said that Georgia had to have a good season. Then they just lost starting quarterback Jake Beeson. He's going to be out for a while. He just uh, he suffered an injury against App State. So uh, oh, I wouldn't yeah, would necessarily so, see. So yeah, actually, you know what? Winning that's... an upset over Georgia because it's not really an upset because they're starting a freshman quarterback named Jason Frum. But going based off of rankings alone and and standings, sure. it, it right. is technically an upset. So I'll I'll go with that as my upset. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you there. Well, there my, aren't really my, any other upsets that I can see. My, my upset is ratings-based as well, but I'm going to go last here because I want to get your guys' thoughts on mine last. Steven, you're up. Yeah, Harry and I were actually talking before we all got together about how his upset wasn't much of an upset. Neither is mine. Stanford could definitely beat USC, no doubt. Sam Mark, I, I mean, Sam Darnold struggled against Western Michigan. Ooh, big, bad Western Michigan. Yeah, that yeah. that was Sta- Stanford's one that going into Stanford's going into Los Angeles and pulling off an upset at number four USC. That was another one I was looking at, but I I think USC will still pull that one out. Five words to describe my upset pick. You guys ready? Yep, go for it. Defending national champions go down. What? Auburn beats Clemson. Oh. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm thinking Alabama. I'm thinking you're thinking Fresno State or Alabama. I'm thinking Alabama won last year. I'm so <laughs> no, no, no. Well, it, I mean, to be fair, I mean, Alabama is always national champion, so that's not surprising that you would think that. But, yeah, once he said that, I was like, yeah, That was another one that I was also looking at, but I, I think Clemson would have enough. Also, it is at Clemson. Um, Which I think increases the shock value. That is true. But I, I still think Clemson will pull that one out. But I could definitely see Auburn going in there at the same time and beating them. Yes, yeah, so I can. I. Not only does Auburn, not only does Auburn go into Clemson and win, but we see two very highly ranked teams out of the SEC West when the Iron Bowl comes to us a little bit later on in the calendar year between Alabama and Auburn. Do you think Auburn has it in them to make a run and be a contender? Uh, I think it's going to come down to the Iron Bowl to determine the SEC West. Hmm. It could, possibly. Uh, Auburn always has... They're always pulling up big upsets. Pulling off against LSU, then the Iron Bowl in 2013 when the kick six by Chris Smith 
and and Clemson's going to have a big ego. They just beat Kent State with the new quarterback. They're they're like, oh, we're going to beat everybody this year. We're going undefeated. That that's going to hurt them against against Auburn. So I won't be surprised if Auburn does go into Clemson, South Carolina, and pull out this win. I will give Clemson credit. The Bryant era in Clemson started very very well, oh, but at sure. the same time. I do believe that what Steven just said is accurate. I feel like there's going to be too much of a sense of entitlement in Clemson. They're going to take Auburn lightly, and they're going to pay for it. Auburn 24, Clemson 20. All right, let's talk about the big game on the college football schedule here real quick since we have a little bit of time left in our program here. Let's talk about Ohio State, Oklahoma. Gentlemen, I want to pick, and I want a final score. I'm going to Brandon go first. I have to talk about this one a lot. A lot. I like this game a lot. I got a lot to say about it. So, Brandon, you go first. I I am going with Ohio State in this one. Um, in terms of score, oof. I'll say 24-21. All right, so before I give my final score and all that other good stuff, I just want to say this is a must-win for Oklahoma. This is the biggest game of their season, and it's only Agreed. week two. Yes, and if they do not win in Columbus, that's it. Game over. Oklahoma State's one of the Big 12. So they must, and I mean they must prepare their lives for this game in Columbus. But unfortunately, Ohio State's going to win. And it's I don't think it's going to be – I think it's going to be close in the first half. In the second half, though, that defense is going to pick apart Baker Mayfield, and that's going to be the end of it. You What's got a final score? score for me? Uh – 45-21. Ohio State wow. does it again. I don't think it's quite that bad, but I do think Ohio State wins. And to answer your question, I think that one of this, one of the Big 12 teams has to pull off a major non-conference victory to give the Big 12 a shot at getting into the college football playoff. Either, <clears throat> excuse me, Texas has to step up and pick up a big win in one of their nationally broadcast games. I mean, losing to losing to Maryland pretty much puts a nail in their college football playoff. No, hopes they're anyway. done. There's no way that there's no way. I don't think I don't think Oklahoma State has a marquee enough game to get into the college football playoff unless they go undefeated. I think that's the only way the Big Twelve team will get into the college football playoff is if they if a team goes undefeated and. They are one of at most two teams that go undefeated. In my opinion, it all comes crashing down for Oklahoma. Oklahoma here, Baker Mayfield came back to try to win a national championship and try to win a Heisman before his career was over. He'll get neither after his performance here. Ohio State thirty-one, Oklahoma seventeen. Wow! So I have the closest. Yeah. That's it. I don't know if you guys are doing the W two M. The football to the max uh, pick 'em pools on ESPN. That's the I exact. Know, still doing it. I'm not. Uh, that's the exact score that I wrote in for the uh, pick 'em pull as well of Ohio State 31-17. That's going to be a good game, though. Like we're going to be watching that game. It's going to be very exciting to start, but by the second half, you're going to want to watch something else. Well, I don't know about you guys, but if assuming it happens, I'll be watching Florida and Northern Colorado. Oh. Do to do to do. Go Gators. <laughs> Homer. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, the Homer picks. All the Homer picks. You with the Gators and Brandon with the Giants. <laughs> um. Now, now, I won't be completely Homer the whole season. No, we'll see about that. <laughs> we got well, a long way to go here. I'm looking forward to you two bickering next week on the show once we find out who actually wins that Dallas Giants game. Oh, yeah, I'm game. looking forward to that game. <laughs> I got a, I got a Zeke, I got my Zeke jersey ready. I'm ready to go for this game. <sighs> Do we have anything else to add before we get out of here, gentlemen? Mm, if Just I may, for a good season of yeah, NFL and looking forward to the beginning of the season. I'm looking forward to Patriots Chiefs, but I want I want to go back to what we said in the beginning of the show about how you you had mentioned Josh Rosen being a Heisman guy. If he plays like he did against Texas A&M, he's not winning the Heisman because that was three quarters of crap and one quarter of four touchdown, of, uh, like three, four touchdown passes. He needs to play that Josh Rosen if he wants to see himself in the talks for Heisman Trophy winner, not the way he did okay, but, the first three quarters. Okay, but at the same time, Rosen will have a lot of opportunities against very good teams in the Pac-12 to make his name later on in the season. This was just oh, one game can... against a. 
This was just one game against a outside of the conference power five opponent where he was able to orchestrate, as I said, the second biggest comeback in college football history. Well, hopefully he can do well against the other Pac-12 teams and do well the rest of the way. He will see himself in contention for the Heisman Trophy. I mean, you got to think there's there's a uh, there's a Heisman Trophy hopeful right across the city from him in USC Sam Darno as well. Well, that game between those two is going to be a big determinant. Uh, I mark my calendar for that. November 18th, they face off in the Coliseum. Can't wait. All right, gentlemen. Uh, we know one of your teams is going to open with a loss. I think my team actually has a strong chance to open with a win this year. I think Buffalo beats the Jets. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, the Jets are going on 16. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, in, in fairness, it's the Jets. It's really not really a victory. Well, that was one that I was trying to think, like, would that be even considered an uh, Like, I was going to pick that as my upset, but I was like, is that really That's not an upset at all. Upset? No, no way. It would be an upset if the Jets won. I mean, I'd well, be yeah, very... But, but I really don't see that. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to pick the Jets, though. I was going to pick the Bills. <laughs> yeah, the Bills winning is not an upset at all. No. Oh, the Jets. <laughs> I gener- I genuinely feel like 8-8 eight and eight would be a strong season for Buffalo this year, and we get our first chance yeah. to see what we're going to do this Sunday. Gentlemen, it's going to be fun. I can't mm-hmm. wait. And frankly, it's going to be even more fun now that we have this show in order to trash talk each other throughout the season as well. <laughs> oh, no get doubt. ready for the trash talking next week. <laughs> <laughs> for Brandon Biscoving, for Stephen Err, I'm Harry Broadhurst. You have been listening to the kickoff here on the W2M Network. <laughs> Lane Train, we out. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.